I'm Ryan Keltner. And I'm Jenny Keltner. And uh, we've been coming to Westside since January of 2021. The last year has been a really, really hard year. We lost our son. And I know one of the, the main things um, that Westside talks about is um, loving like Jesus and, um, and, and sharing Jesus. And we have seen the love of Jesus shown through this church family so much over the last year. And that has just been, that has been really important to, to myself and for my faith and um, just to keep me going and through the last year and everything that we've been through. And I'll second that. I mean, we've we've been involved in a lot of churches. Uh, we've been involved in ministry, and uh, there's something about Westside. Uh, they truly are what they preach. They truly are showing Jesus, you know, to others. The the showing the love to others. And here, it's definitely uh, they definitely share the love of Jesus and love on love on their members and their community. Giving. Um, I mean, it's always been a challenge for us. Uh, our son, Cole, he was uh, born uh, premature, had cerebral palsy, so he was uh, required full-time care. So it was hard for to have two incomes. So uh, just because of his health and uh, and then medical bills, I mean, he had 20 plus surgeries in his 24 years of life, and a lot of hospital stays and and things like that. So money was always tight. But by being faithful and giving, we've always had what we needed. And then when the Unshakable, uh, when it started last year, was kicking off, that was about the time we lost coal. And we had life insurance, but it, we come quickly to find out we did not have enough. But somehow God supplied that and went over and above. Uh, we were able to cover the funeral expenses and then we were able to use the excess money to actually bless some families and uh, other organizations throughout the year. And, and you know, to make that sacrifice, uh, to, to give a little extra, like I said, it's not always easy, but to come to the end of the year and have more in our savings and more debt paid down than what we started, to, to give at Westside um, is easy. I mean, it's easy in the sense that they are such amazing stewards with the money that they're given. And so I know that when I, I give at Westside, that it is going to be used to further the kingdom of God. And so it makes me want to give as much as I can. It makes me want to even give more than I can because I want to be part of that. But I just, I have, it has been amazing to be here the last almost three years and just see how they use what God has given them. As far as being generous and having faith, like I said, it's not always easy to give and it's not something you can necessarily see. Uh, I think of it kind of like when you're driving down a road, if you have dense fog, you have belief that that pavement's on the other side of that fog, you're going to keep driving forward to stay on the road. Well, I think giving sometimes you can't see the end of it, but you you still got to have that faith to give. Because I, I want to give as much as I can and making sure that we are giving what we can and pushing beyond what is comfortable because sometimes we don't want to be pushed out of our comfort zone. 
um, but then that allows us to learn to rely on him and trust in him and that is so important man yeah an inspiring story from the keltners uh through god's grace on them in their difficult circumstance and um ryan and jennifer thank you so much for sharing your story and that challenges us and, and encourages us and and Westside, i want to thank you uh, i really want to thank you because I want to thank you for wrapping God's family, your family, this church family around them as they were going through their hard, difficult season, this painful season in their life. And, and that's, that's who we are, and that's what we do. We are God's family. We are on mission together, loving Jesus, becoming like Jesus, and sharing Jesus to raise up Christ-centered families. And the way we're going to do it is by wrapping God's family around those who are hurting. And thank you so much for doing that. Uh, for the Keltners, and um, we believe that your story, and I believe that, that Ryan and Jennifer would echo me on this, they, we believe your story can be like their story and an unshakable story, that regardless of what you're going through, regardless of the difficulty that you're facing, that your story can be an unshakable story, and, and we believe every story can be an unshakable story as we build our lives on the solid rock of Jesus. And that's why we are in this series that we're calling Solid Rock. And as we find ourselves at the midpoint of this unshakable initiative, an initiative that we have two goals. Uh, and and if, if you're new to Westside or you, you're new to uh, today or you, you don't know what we're talking about, um, we, we are in this two year initiative and we have two goals. And uh, we talk about that. You can know, learn more about this on our unshakable hub. Uh, by going to unshakable.faith. If you have our Westside Leavenworth app, just click the icon that says Unshakable. You can learn more about this there. Um, if you haven't received your midpoint guide, you can pick that up in the back. Miss Alicia's back there. She'd love to give you that at the end of the service. But if th- these two goals are this. First is our primary goal is we want everyone who calls Westside Family Church their home church to, to build an unshakable faith. An unshakable faith like the Keltners have displayed. And, and, and we want you to have that unshakable faith and build an unshakable faith. And we're going to do this together by joining together in, in this spiritual discipline of placing Jesus first in our finances. And then our secondary goal is we want to release God's unshakable love by giving to advance the kingdom of God, which we believe is the only hope for the world. It's the only hope. There's no other solution that is a hopeful solution for the world. It's only the kingdom of God. We believe that the good news of the kingdom of God is the answer to what our world needs so desperately in, in, order, to find, in order to find the peace, the healing, the joy, and, and the justice that the world is searching for. It's all in the kingdom of God. And so we are putting our eyes and are fixing our eyes on Jesus, and we are going to advance the kingdom of God as God directs us and empowers us. Now, there are many of us here today that you joined us in this, and you've joined us, and you made a commitment, and and you needed to hear the Keltner story today, because you needed the extra courage that they, that you took away from that story. You needed that today, and you maybe needed the reminder or the challenge to to remain strong and, and finish strong. 
with your commitment. And I want to thank you for this. And we're going to continue to steward what, what God is giving us. And, and we're going to steward it to advance the kingdom of God. Now, for those of you who are new with us, uh, my name is Casey. And I'm so grateful to get to share this time together with you. And it's my privilege to let you know that we have a gift for you today. Um, for those of you who are new with us in the room and online, uh, if you're in the room with us, we'd love to give you this gift right after the service. And so after today's service, will you make your way uh, in, uh, through our lobby into our welcome center? There, a host will be there, and that host would love to give you a gift for being with us today. And while you're there, uh, they want to share with you four quick things, if you'll allow, in less than four minutes about who we are as a church family. Uh, for those of you that are new with us online, uh, we have a gift for you. Uh, we'd love to uh, give you that gift, and you can uh, click the Connect card that they're posting right now. At uh, that form, you fill that out, and we will be able to send you a gift for uh, joining us today and allowing us to be with you wherever you are. Hey, now, Westside, would you help me welcome everyone that's watching online, as well as all those that are new with us in the room? Will you do that with me? Yeah. Now, get out your notes. We are in this series called Solid Rock, and here is the series' big idea we are learning together. God is generous, and He wants you to excel in the grace of giving. God is generous. And, and you need to know, some of you need to realize this today, that God is generous because you don't come to God. When you think of God, you don't think of God as generous. You think of God as everything but generous. And maybe because of your circumstances, your experience, and if I were with you and you told me your story, I could say, you know what, I can understand how you could see God is not generous. But I want you to see today, and it's my hope that you see today. That God is generous. And this series is helping us see that God is generous. And you need to know that God is generous. Because the, only in knowing God is generous will you be able to build an unshakable faith as you trust this truth that He is generous. And you trust it every day of your life. And when you truly believe that God is generous, you will respond and you will release God's unshakable love as you excel in the grace of giving. And today I want us to look at a kingdom principle that we're going to look at. There's a kingdom principle. It's evident throughout all of Scripture in this beautiful library that we call the Bible. And this kingdom principle is something of interest to those of us who are searching for happiness. This kingdom principle it, 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 it should be the search of interest. It's, it should be of interest to those who are looking for lasting joy. For those of you that maybe you're here and you're, you're looking for joy in your marriage, or maybe you're online and you're looking for joy and, and you're looking for it in your career and you're looking for lasting joy in your life. Maybe you're looking for it and, and you're facing difficult circumstances and you would love to have some joy. Or maybe you're in the middle of your own grief or your own sorrow. And you're looking for this deep sense of joy, even in the middle of your own difficult grief and sorrow. And this kingdom principle is this. It's all throughout scripture that we experience God's joy. We experience his lasting joy when we do what is right, wise, and what honors Jesus. The most important thing about this principle is who identifies what is right, wise, and what is honorable. You see, I don't experience God's joy when I do what is right in my own eyes. I don't experience God's joy when I do what is wise according to what my wisdom is or any other earthly wisdom. I don't experience God's joy when I do what honors me. 
There's only one way to experience God's joy. I only experience God's joy when I do what is right by Jesus, what is wise according to his wisdom, and what is honoring to him. This also does not mean that when I do what is wise, right, and what honors Jesus, that my circumstances all immediately miraculously change and now are enjoyable. It doesn't work that way. It means that you can be in a state of joy in the middle of unenjoyable circumstances. Now, I want to quickly show you this example because some of you may be skeptical of this today. You, you doubt what I believe is true, what I'm saying is true, and you doubt that maybe even in Scripture. I want to show you two places, one in the Old and one in the New Testament. And one passage in the Old Testament that I want to look at is when Nehemiah, this, this cupbearer, he was a cupbearer to the king of Babylon after Israel had been exiles in Babylon. And now it, Babylon had, had taken over the nation of Israel. They destroyed the land, destroyed their city of Jerusalem, broke down their walls. And Nehemiah is a cupbearer to the king. And miraculously, Nehemiah is giving permission, given permission by the Babylonian king to rebuild the destroyed walls of Jerusalem. Nehemiah calls the entire nation of Israel together. It was one of those incredible days and probably those moments in the nation of Israel that they go, do you remember this moment? And this was that moment. Nehemiah calls all the nation of Israel together and they, he, he asks Ezra the priest to read the book of the law. Now this is not just a short thing. This is ex- Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. They read the entire thing to the whole nation of Israel. And this is what we read in Nehemiah 8, verse 9. Nehemiah the governor, Ezra the priest, and teacher of the law. And the Levites who were instructing the people said to them all, This day is holy. You know what that means? Set apart. It's, it's, it's un- unlike any other day. Set apart to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep. But you need to know why they were mourning and weep. They just heard this law. They just heard this. And they realized, hey, we are disconnected from God because of our unbelief in our actions that do not align with God's law. And, and so for the people, he goes, do not mourn weak, for all the people had been weeping as they listened to the words of the law. They were mourning their relationship with God was broken and they were weeping because they were repentant. And they were convicted by God's word. And in verse 10, Nehemiah said, go and enjoy choice foods and sweet drinks. And look at this. And send some to those who have nothing prepared. See the generosity thread here? You know, enjoy good food, choice food. You, you, enjoy what you have and send some of what your extra to those who don't have. Interesting to me that generosity follows repentance. And this day is holy to the Lord. Do not grieve for the joy of the Lord is your, you say that, strength. The joy of the Lord is your strength. You know, you don't have to grieve. He's like, hey, we don't have to grieve that you've lost your relationship with God. Because the joy of your salvation, the joy of our salvation, is the joy of the Lord. And that joy gives us the strength in the middle of our exile, in the middle of our difficult circumstance. The joy of the Lord is our strength. And then next, verse 11, the Levites calmed all the people saying, be still for this day, is, this is a holy day. Do not grieve. 
Again, it's not the grieving of the exile. It's grieving your loss of your relationship with God. And then all the people went away to eat and drink, to send portions of food and to celebrate. Look at this. With great joy. Because now they understood the words that had been made known to them. Israel repented. They turned back to God's ways. Honoring God's word. And God's joy became their strength. Maybe you need that same joy in your life today. Maybe today you need the joy of the Lord to be your strength. See, God's joy is our strength when we do what is wise, right, and what honors Jesus. See, this principle is also echoed by Jesus himself. Uh, Jesus, uh, on John, in John chapter 15, John records these words and he says this, As the Father has loved me, Jesus speaking here, as, Je- as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. Make your home in my love. Abide in my love is what Jesus is saying. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I've told you this. What have I told you? I've told you to remain in my love by obeying me. I've told you this so that my joy may be in you, the joy of the Lord. My, my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Jesus, who is God, his resurrection proves who he claimed to be, God himself. And Jesus, who has all the authority, it has been given to him. All the authority, he says, your joy will be complete. You will have no other room for anything else to fill you up because you will have his joy and it's going to be complete as you keep his commands. See, we experience God's joy to the full when we do what is right, wise, and what honors Jesus. See, there's only one way to experience lasting joy, to remain in Jesus by being obedient to him. But you can't remain in him and be obedient if you don't depend upon him, if you don't trust him, and you don't rely on him. See, this is another way to say remaining in him is being fully dependent upon Jesus. This is how we have joy. And when you are fully dependent upon Jesus, you will do what is right by him. When you are fully dependent upon Jesus, you're going to do what's wise by him. And when you do what, you're fully dependent upon Jesus, you're going to do what honors him. This is the only way to have an unshakable joy in, in your life, to fully rely and to fully depend upon Jesus with everything you have. To be fully dependent upon Jesus means to build your life on the truth of Jesus and rely on his love and trusting in his way. And it responds by being obedient to him. And so here's the teaching big idea that we're going to look at over the next several minutes. It's this right here. God gives you true joy. God gives you true lasting joy when you fully depend upon him. That joy you so desperately need comes one way. It's when you are fully dependent and relying on Jesus. That's the only way to experience that joy. The problem is, is we partially do this. I'm partially dependent upon him. And I cannot experience true lasting joy um, when I'm partially relying on Jesus. When I, I compartmentalize my life in every other area of my life, my kids, my this, my career, uh, I'll do this. But over here, this is my role. I'm going to control this realm. I'm not going to trust you with this realm. 
You know, the area that you control the most is likely the area of your life that you have the most anxiety, and when you, where you have the most anxiety is where you have the least joy. We've got to be fully dependent upon Him. There's only one way to have lasting joy, being fully dependent upon Christ, and only when we rely on Him, depend upon Him and His truth, will you experience the lasting joy. So we must ask, what does being fully dependent look like? Well, being fully dependent upon Jesus is a mindset with action. That's what it is. And we're going to talk about this mindset of being fully dependent with this action because that's what it is. It's, a, it's an attitude and effort. And if you have been with me outside, my kids know this. I talk about attitude and effort a lot. My baseball team that I get to coach, we talk about attitude and effort a lot because you're, the only two choices you can make is your attitude and your effort. It's your mindset and your action that goes with it. And being fully dependent is a mindset. These two things are present when you are fully dependent on Jesus. It's your attitude and your action. And here are three mindsets. Oh, actually, here, here are three mind traps that'll keep you from being fully dependent on Jesus and therefore keep you from experiencing God's joy. And we need to shake these mindsets off. We need to shake ourselves out of these mind traps by renewing our mind. And each of these mindsets or these mind traps are driven by a lie, are baited by a lie to get you trapped. And we're going to identify what those lies are and we're going to address these so we can renew our mind. And as we reveal these, I want you to think about the one you may, might struggle with because you may struggle with at least one of these. Now, the first mind trap, if you will, is the security mindset, the scarcity mindset. I'm sorry, the scarcity mindset. The scarcity mindset is that I don't have enough money and I, or I don't have enough. It's not just money. I just don't have enough. I don't have enough and there's not enough to go around. Have you ever met somebody with a scarcity mindset? Maybe you deal with a scarcity mindset. Maybe you resonate with this. You never feel like you have enough. Maybe your parents or, or someone that was important in your life had this type of a mindset. They never had enough. They always needed more. They always needed more in their savings account. There's never enough. There was never enough time. There was never enough resources. And, and there was never enough security in their life for them to have joy. The scarcity mindset, this is the scarcity mindset, and there is not enough, and if I don't have it, here's what people believe. Others are going to take it. If I don't have it, that means it's going to be up for someone else to grab. Now, the lie that baits us into the scarcity mind trap is this. The lie is that I need more to be happy and secure. That's the lie. Is that, have you ever believed that and been caught in this? Like if someone were to ask you, how much more money do you need to feel secure? And the, you don't know what the number is. It's just more than what you have now. It, it, we need more. You need more regardless of how much you have. And it's difficult. And I'll say this. It is difficult with people who are caught in the scarcity mind trap or this mindset. It is difficult with people in this mindset to be generous people. And it is difficult for them to experience true joy. It might be momentary, but it's fleeting. It's not lasting. And if that's not you, maybe you've had the second mindset, which is the cynical mindset. Now, there's a difference between skeptical and cynical. Skepticism has a doubt, while cynicism is a deep distrust. And that's what I want to talk about. This deep distrust. 
The cynical mindset is that I cannot trust others or God. I cannot trust others. And I cannot trust God. This will keep someone from experiencing the joy in their life. This will keep someone from expressing their joy in their generosity for two basic reasons. One, they don't trust that God will continue to provide for them. They don't trust God. They don't trust Him at His Word. They don't trust what they read in Scripture. They just don't trust that God is generous. They don't trust that God will will meet their needs and provide for them. Second... The reason that people don't, they get caught in this and they don't experience the joy in this is because they don't trust what the other person or the other people will do with what they've given them. They don't. I don't, and this is why some don't give to the church. And I understand, like, I I, I get that some people have got caught in this mindset. They don't, they're, they're not just skeptical, they're cynical. They, they, they don't want trust the church because the church isn't going to do what they think is right. And so they won't give. Or they won't trust the, uh, to give to a person and they won't give to a person because they don't trust that that person is going to do what they think is right for them to do. So it's going to withhold their generosity from this. Now the lie that baits them into this mind trap is this. The lie of the cynical mindset is that my way is the right way or the best way. See, I cannot trust the church, the leadership, or the authorities because no one knows better about what to do with my money than me. I can't trust to give to that person. Even though I feel compelled to give, I can't trust to give because I don't trust what they're going to do with what I give them. It is hard, this. And, and you might say, you might go, Casey, I, no one else knows what I know. If you only knew what I know, and, and if we were to sit down, you to tell me this story and all the things that you've been, and, and rightly so, I mean, I, we've heard the stories of churches misrepresenting money. You've, we've heard the stories of people taking generosity and just abusing it. We've heard this. If you only knew what I knew, <laughs> you would trust no one else but me either. And I understand, I get that. Don't get trapped by that, though. See, it's hard for cynical people to be generous people. And very few cynical people have joy. Don't get caught in that trap. Now, the last mindset I want to mention is the entitlement mindset. The entitlement mindset is when my privileges become expectations. Isn't that what entitlement is? When once was a privilege, when once what was a privilege in your life now has turned into this expectation. You may remember in 2022, I taught a series that we called Entitletude, which is the attitude of entitlement. It's when the privilege becomes the expectation. At the very moment, once what was a privilege shifts in your mind, into an expectation at that very moment, in that split second, all the joy of the privilege is gone. The joy is gone. And the lie of the entitlement mindset is that you deserve it or that you earned it all on your own. I deserve this. Look, I earned this. Forgetting all the factors that were outside of your control that led up to this. See, you forget and we forget that 
I forget my ability, my abilities came from God. I forget that my strength itself to get up in the morning and go to work and provide, it, it, it comes from God. I forget that the opportunity to do this, that, that, that someone took a chance on me. And someone took that chance on me to set me up for this. And I forget all of these things. And I think at that moment that I got here on my own and therefore I deserve it. And as soon as I enter into that mind trap and I get caught by it, the joy goes. And when I think that I deserve this because I've earned this, I've given in to the lie of my own pride. That's what I'm caught in the trap of. See, entitled people are not grateful people. Entitled people are not generous people. And entitled people do not have lasting joy. And the reason I bring these up is because I think what Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 9 addresses a symptom of each of these mindsets and is the direction on how to get out of the trap of these mind traps. Read along with me, 2 Corinthians 9, verse 6. He says, remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have Decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. So allow me to tell you the core action and the mindset that we need to have to embrace and get out of these mind traps. The the mindset is what I mentioned earlier. It's this dependent mindset. And the action is to give generously. You want to get yourself out of this mind trap? Have a dependent, a fully dependent mindset on God. And the action is to give generously. So for those of us that deal with this scarcity mindset, this is my encouragement to you to have this I will statement. I will give generously because I am fully dependent upon God to supply all that I need. For those in the scarcity mindset, trust that God will supply all your needs. That everything you have and everything you already are, it has come from God. He's generously supplied you with it all. And look what verse 6 says. He says, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. By the way, if he has given you all of that, he can give you even more as you give generously. And that's why he would go in verse 8 to say, God is able to bless you abundantly. But if you don't fully depend upon God's ability and that he is able, you're going to sow sparingly. You can take a risk of generosity. I can take a risk of generosity because I fully depend and I trust that everything I have already comes from God. I know where it all comes from. I know where it all comes from. That releases me from any risk. There's no risk when you know from where it all comes. Therefore, I know that the more that I sow in generosity, the more God will return to me. That's why Paul would write to the church in Philippi and say, and my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. See, there's no scarcity mindset in the kingdom of God. Don't get caught in that scarcity mind trap that you won't have enough. 
See, God is able to meet your needs according not to your riches or anybody else's riches or your company's riches or whatever somebody else would take. God is able to meet your needs according to his abundant riches. However, you may just be cynical about that. And for those who deal with the cynical mind's trap, maybe this is the change of mind you need to have. I will give generously because I trust God. I trust God that true joy is in my desire to give what I willfully decide to give. For those of you who are cynical, I I encourage you to make this your mindset, renew your mind, that I trust God that true joy is in my desire to give what I willfully decide to give. In verse 7, he says, Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly, not under compulsion. For God loves a cheerful giver. Why does God love a cheerful giver? Because he loves it when you have the desire. It's not out of command or compulsion or reluctance. See, that's what makes us reluctant. But when I come and, and I willfully decide in my heart what I'm going to give. See, we can't give cheerfully if we don't give willfully. We can't give cheerfully if we don't trust God. What Paul says can help you break out of the mind trap of not trusting God. God doesn't want you to be coerced in your generosity. He wants you to give willingly, not reluctantly. God wants you to decide in your heart from a full heart, a heart that is fully dependent upon him. And when you depend upon him, the desire is going to grow. And you're going to give from that desire. And that's all he wants you to give from, is the desire. Because he loves a cheerful giver. He loves you, but he really loves when you give out of the joy of what you have been given. For those who are cynical of Paul, they, Paul elevates the scrutiny that every church is under. In verse uh, chapter 8 earlier, he would write this in verse 20. He would say, we want to avoid any criticism of the way we administer this liberal gift, for we are taking pains to do what is right, not in the only, only in the eyes of the Lord, but also in the eyes of man. I want you to know not just this church, but any church. Anytime you give to a church that's on Jesus' mission to expand his kingdom. Anytime you give to the church, God sees what they do with it. Just as God sees what you do with your money. And I say this not, I want to shepherd you, I care for you. And there are people that are, they don't trust. And I, man, the stories are horrible. I've heard those, I've, I've seen those, I've read about those. But they will, those, those, the leadership will give, and our leadership here will give an account as we steward everything that we begin. And just as you and I personally will give an account of everything we've been given that we are stewarding to do what's right, wise, and what honors him. The church leadership is responsible. So give because you're responsible. And we give from this joy because everything we've been given. Now, for those in the title and mindset, said, this is my challenge for you. I will give generously because I'm grateful for all God has given me. In verse 8, Paul reminds the Corinthians that God is able to bless you abundantly. He's able to bless you abundantly. By the way, all that you have is an abundant blessing 
from God. All that you have, all that you are, you're down to your abilities, your talents, even the breath in your lungs right now is a gift and a blessing from God. And he's able to give you an ample supply. All that you need, a bless you abundantly so that in all times and, 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 and in all things, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, they've freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness, look at that, their righteousness, when they do what is right by God, it endures forever. So I will give from a heart of gratitude. I'll give from this heart of gratitude. I'm not going to believe that any of this I came to on my own, that I deserve any of this because I recognize that everything I have and everything I am is God's generosity towards me. I'm entitled to none of it. And being grateful for all my privileges gives me joy. And I'm not going to get caught in the mind trap or get caught in the lie that I earned this or I deserve this. But I'm going to be grateful for the privilege that I've been given. And out of that gratitude, I will give generously from all these privileges that I enjoy. See, when I do that, that's lasting joy. And the people of the kingdom of God are radically different people. These are the types of people of the kingdom of God. We're radically different. We're the new humanity of God's new creation. Created in Christ Jesus to be like Christ Jesus. And we give cheerfully because uh, we realize something. We give cheerfully because we know it honors God. We give cheerfully and we give radically because we know it is the right thing to do. And we give because we realize that we are not entitled to any of it. And we are fully dependent upon God for all of it. That's the remarkable thing. But my generosity and yours. See, your generosity expresses that you are fully dependent on God. So can I ask you, does your generosity show that you've had a full, or you're fully dependent upon God? Or is your generosity reflect a scarcity mindset, a cynical mindset, or an entitled mindset? Or does your generosity express that you have a dependent mindset, knowing and trusting that everything you have and everything you are comes from God because God is generous? See, this is what the kingdom people of God are like. And kingdom people have an unshakable joy. So what does it mean to live out of that? Well, I will experience true and lasting joy when I am fully dependent on God and express it in my generosity. That's where true and lasting joy, when I'm fully dependent upon God and I express my dependence, not just by saying thank you, but in my generosity. And today we're going to do something together as a church family, as a reminder that, of why we can fully depend upon God. And we're going to celebrate communion together. It's a, it's a reminder of why you can fully depend upon God. And for those of you that maybe you're new with us, that maybe, maybe you're not a part of this church family, if, if this is for those who are wanting to depend upon God, fully depend upon God. This is what we do together. It's a celebration that we're fully dependent on God. Maybe you've never put your trust in Jesus and today could be a step toward fully depending upon God and you can join us in 
communion. And maybe you've never trusted him completely for your salvation. You never knew you could trust him. But I want to tell you something. Jesus himself is a reminder that we can fully depend upon God in everything and with everything. Because out of his own desire, out of his very own will, Jesus not reluctantly, but cheerfully, with joy, you got to understand this, he generously sacrificed his life to demonstrate God's love for all humanity, including and especially you. And he wanted you to give, he wants to give you his life. He gives his life as the generous ransom payment for the payment of all sin. This is what Christ did for you so that you don't have to pay the penalty for your sin. And we, like the Israelites, can repent and we can be sorrowful, but we can be responded because it's not our work that is our salvation. It is His work for us that is the joy of our salvation as we fully trust and rely on Him. And all we have to do to receive that salvation to receive the joy of our salvation is to trust in Him. Fully trust in Him as our Savior. Trust that He's our Lord. And you know when He's your Lord? You're going to do what is wise, what is right, and what honors Him. That is why we are grateful people. And that is why we can trust Him and fully depend upon Him to meet every one of our needs. And communion's the reminder of the extent that God went to give you true and lasting joy. A joy of the Lord that will be your strength. It's a reminder that we can fully depend upon.